the son therefore shall make you free. Ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 13th, 2011. And today, we're going to just be kind of uh, <clears throat> segueing back to just some end-time current events and uh, a lot of different things regarding the days and times we're living in. We're going to be doing some specific things at the beginning regarding the impending attack possibly upon Iran and uh, how Israel and the U.S. would fit into that. Uh, we're going to be looking a lot also at the uh, just more apostasy that's going on in the church, and then also some uh, the uh, gay rights issues that have come up, with just a lot of the stuff regarding uh, that particular issue that, that's just come up recently as well. Um, just some Bible verses before we get into this. Um, just These are just some general Bible verses from Proverbs. Really not any one particular theme, just a little bit of everything. We're going to be going through about oh, nine verses here. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. So, to pass over a transgression is actually a man's glory. Which is a, you know, a really good thing to think about here. It's hard, it's very, very hard a lot of times to do that. And um, uh, not to say I've mastered any of these verses that we're talking about here, but uh, these apply to everyone. And I'm pretty much, regarding these types of verses, talking as much to myself as I would anyone else. So I don't mean to say these in, like I'm better than anyone else. <clears throat> so it's the discretion of a man to actually defer his anger, meaning postpone. And generally, if you postpone something, you're going to be able to cool down. Uh, if you act on it right then, then you tend to, you know, obviously uh, overreact. So, it's the discretion of a man to defer his anger. Then, Proverbs 19.19, 19, and obviously this would apply to a woman as well as a man. It's not just talking to men. But a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, for if thou deliver him... Yet thou must do it again. Kind of reminds me of my dad. He was... You never knew with him. <laughs> when he went out in public, you never knew with that guy uh, what was going to end up happening. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I saw him get in fistfights in public, in traffic. I mean, over and over and over again. Um... And uh, the last time he had actually done that, <clears throat> when you have a person like that, what I've noticed, somebody that goes around looking for trouble, trouble's going to find them. So the last time this had happened to him, he had been installing like a security uh, system at this particular place. This was probably no more than a year before he passed away. And he worked all the way up to the last day of his life. Um, and... And if you want to know more about that, I've done a whole teaching on that. It's called My Dad's Recent Passing. Just key that into the search box on uh, at contendingfortruth.com. <clears throat> and some guy that had been an absolute troublemaker in this particular uh, uh, 
it was like one of those private communities and they had people on like their board and stuff. And this one guy was a real pain, I guess. And he was, he was a troublemaker and he had, he had actually went up there and, uh, uh, started arguing with my dad. Actually, my dad was totally in the right. The guy was being, a, you know, he was just being a fool essentially. And, uh, guy got in my dad's face and he pushed him and, uh, the guy then, I really believe he feigned having a heart attack. It wasn't, I don't believe it was like the ambulances came, but anyway, they ended up coming that night to get my dad, and uh, I was actually there when the cop car pulled up. And it was, you know, it just kind of reminded me that when, <clears throat> even though in that particular case, my dad really hadn't went looking for it, because he had looked for it so many times in the past, it's kind of like you re-put you so, what comes around goes around. Well, that's what happened, and it happened to him his whole life. It's like everywhere I went with the guy, trouble followed. And I mean, just, it was time and time. And I, and I, even me, although, although I was like a little heathen being brought up in, in that particular household that I was in, I wasn't really going out looking for trouble all the time. Like my dad had done that from a very early age. And I noticed that that kind of stuff normally just didn't happen to me. Not to say it never did, but with my dad it was extraordinary. I mean, it was like, forget it. You go out with him anywhere. Restaurant, in the car, it doesn't matter. You never know when, you know, he's going to have some gigantic either fist fight, um, uh, Huge argument, screaming, cussing, Matt. You never knew. And um, I always noticed that about him. It really is the truth. When when a, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment, if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again, because he's not going to learn his lesson. He's just going to keep going and getting in altercations all the time with people. And... Um, uh, I really witnessed that firsthand with my dad the whole time he lived. It, it was over and over and over again. Um, so, anyway, it, it just it kind of explains how some people's lives it just seems like trouble follows them. They, they could literally have a curse on them too. Um, that's another thing that could that could cause that. Uh, or you could bring the, literally the curses on yourself by your own actions. You know, reaping what you sow. Um, next verse, Proverbs 22.6, totally unrelated subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's very important to train up your children at the very earliest possible age in the way they will go. Because if you wait too long, <laughs> it's like the, if the tree gets corrupted at an early age, and nothing's done to... Help that tree, I'm just, I'm using an analogy here. Once that tree gets to a certain point, they may, they may be beyond hope. I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't do a work and change a person. But if you train up a child in the way they'll go, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. And really, it's just, all it, all it really entails is looking at what the Bible says. Proverbs has a lot of stuff about how to train up your child. Uh, I also think it's very important to, uh, have them memorizing scripture at, at the earlier the better. And um, I had Taylor in Awana. Now, I'm not recommending Awana. Awana's been 
you know, and that was before I knew a lot of what I know now, but Awana being the, uh, one of the children's things that they've got, um, they had these scripture memorization tapes that, and I, they still have them, and I'm, they still have them in KJV, um, just keying Awana, A-W-A-N-A, and uh, K, KJV scripture memorization tapes. You should be able to find them online. Really good, because it's, it's actually King James Bible set to song. And I mean, Taylor had more Bible memorized than I would almost guarantee you 99% of the church did at a very early age. Um, so, you know, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119. So, again, that's, that's why you do that. Um, that word's a lamp under my feet and a light under my path and it implies, you know, uh, direction, guidance, this type of thing. So, going further, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. It's just a given. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's just a given. It, it's not like a lot of these people, oh, they're my sweet little angel babies, they wouldn't ever do it. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It totally is. I'm not saying a, a child cannot be pre, predisposed and have a good disposition compared to another child. But it's a given that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Okay? Uh, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You know. That's worked for me. You know, and now it's to the point where I don't even really have to worry about that. You know, with Taylor, and I don't not I'm not saying I went out and literally got a rod or something. I just had a uh, like one of those paddles. They had the uh, you do the little balls on. You know, I didn't have to use it that much, but it got the point across. And it's how God has to work with us a lot of times as Christians. And I've been there, uh, had the rod applied to me by God, and it's not fun. And you dread it, and you'll. Beg for it not to happen, and just like a, a child will. They'll beg you not to, end, you know, whatever, but it's, I guess they say that expression, tough love or whatever. Now, it does work. It does work. And I don't mean child abuse or anything of that nature, uh, but, you know, it, it is a very important thing. It is extremely important. I hated doing it. But, um, it pays, it pays, Huge dividends later on. Train up a child in the way they will go, and then when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So, you know. Um, and then the next verse, Proverbs nineteen eighteen: Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So, chasten meaning, like, essentially, um, to spank, to chasten, to, to, uh, for them to receive correction. Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Well, you've probably heard me say that verse a lot of times. So whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. So whom God loves, he's going to spank. Be why? Because you're his kid. If you're a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, you're his kid. He can spank you. If you look around and you see other people that are unsaved, that might be doing all manner of wickedness, not being chastened, well, that, in a way, makes sense. Not to say they're not going to reap what they sow, but that chastening for them may not come 
until the next lifetime, literally in hell. Um, there's Bible verses that relate to that also, that, that some men's punishment, you know, comes swiftly and some goes after them. So there's no real rhyme or reason a lot of times regarding a wicked person being chastened or corrected. And I don't really mean chastened in, in the biblical sense. Okay, then it goes on to say, that Bible verse goes on to say, if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. A bastard is an illegitimate son. It would be like if you saw somebody's child misbehaving in the supermarket and you go up to them and start spanking them. You would never do that, right? Well, that's almost the same way as if, if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. They're not your son or they're not your daughter. You're not going to go spank them, you know, and that would be pretty inappropriate. Why? Because they're not your son. Or daughter. So, again, if you view it out chastisement from God, then you're bastards. In other words, if somebody's saying, well, I'm a, I'm a born-again Bible-believing Christian, and um, I've never been chastened by God, I, I, I live like the devil, and, you know, no, well, I, I really have doubts that person was ever saved. Okay, because you should just expect that. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Well, chastening brings godly sorrow, which will work with repentance. Those are just all Bible verses. Anyway, uh, next verse, Proverbs 21, 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. So that's a very good uh, tenant. I don't think this is a tenant that the modern day 501c3 corporate money-hungry, build-an-empire church, most of the time, the smallest fund in those types of churches is the benevolent fund. Not always, but many, many times. It's the most least emphasized thing in the world. Uh, helping, you know, widows, orphans, feeding the poor, those types of things. Uh, so, whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Well, also that implies, if you don't stop your ears at the cry of the poor, when you do cry, you will be heard. I mean, you can reverse the verse, essentially. I mean, you can, you can assume the exact opposite of the verse, which is what I just said. So, that would imply protection for you as well. I'm not saying that's your motivation, I'm saying it is a, a benefit. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. I mean, I really do think any time you give to a godly, worthy cause, it's like lending to the Lord. Whether it be orphans, widows, the poor, worthy ministries, uh, you know, there's other, obviously, there's other things that I could think of, but it's like lending money to, to God, essentially. Not to say he... Needs your money, but it is like that. And then it goes on to say, and that which he hath given, he will pay him again. I have seen that over and over. You know, um, in my giving, you know, that's... I don't go by the Levitical Old Testament tithe, personally. That's not what I... I've done a whole teaching on this. The, the concept of New Testament giving versus Old Testament Levitical tithe, 10%. I tend to give much more than 10%. That's just me. That's not for everybody. Uh, that's not, you know, carved in stone. The Bible says, As a man hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, for the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. It says that in the New Testament. 
So I believe, was it Corinthians? I don't know. Anyway, if you want to know more about that, listen to that teaching. Just can New Testament or giving or Levitical tithe or tithe. You'll find it, contendingfortruth.com. Uh, that's a big, gigantic thing that's been foisted on the church that, you know, people need to be set straight on. It's very easy when you look at the New Testament, well, what you do there. So, as a man hath purposed in his heart, so let him give. For the Lord loveth the cheerful giver. So, and then it says, and that which he hath given, he will pay him again. I'll be honest. I think one of the worst possible things you could do, and I know that this is going to probably sound like something that might Benny Hinn might have said, but I think that one of the worst possible things that you can do as a Christian is to not give, like, say, okay, I don't have any money, I don't have whatever, and give nothing. And I'm not saying that to try to get money from anybody. I'm saying wherever you put your giving, and that can also be in service, um, doesn't have to just be monetarily. It will come back on you. And I've seen it proven time over and time over again. I try to stay way ahead of the curve on my giving with God. Meaning, this is just what I personally do that's worked, worked for me. And I find the more I give, the more I get. I mean, I've seen it over and over and over. And, I mean, it really does work. Now, granted, you want to make sure you're doing it with the right heart, with the right motive. And I understand the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. But I'm talking about as the Holy Spirit would lead you and guide you and direct you. That's what I really mean there. Uh, I think one of the worst things you could possibly do is just, you know, uh, okay, I, I'm, 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 uh, whatever, and I can't, I can't give out anything. It, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't think that's a that's something that we need to be doing now. However, you ha- have purpose. Maybe you don't have money. Maybe it's some other way. But in some way, shape, or form, we're called. Jesus Christ said, "Let them that are greatest among you, let them be your servants." So I just try to be a servant. To other people, and, and some of that may be answering umpteen emails every day and trying to counsel and guide people in the right direction regarding spiritual matters, regarding health, putting these teachings up every week, uh, uh, you know, studying uh, to get all this up there, putting these PDFs together, doing all the conversions, uh, uh, sending out the emails, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different things. Everybody's different. Not everybody's cookie cutter. Everybody's not called to do the exact same thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about the body of Christ and that there's different parts of the body. And, for instance, can the, you know, uh, finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you. Well, no, because everybody's essential. And, And that's how we end up being a blessing to one another. Because some have a gifting in this area, some have a gifting in that area, some are you know, bless more in the financial area. So, whatever the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit convicts you to do, I just think we all need to be giving. There's that expression that I've heard uh, about the Dead Sea. Nothing can live in it. I mean, nothing can really live in it at all. It's like, you know, just the salt content of it is just through the roof. I mean, you can go out there with, because of the salt content and you're, you're like, you don't even need a raft. You'll be so buoyant in the water because of the high salinity. 
or salt content. And nothing can live in the Dead Sea because it all it ever does is take and it never gives out at all. There's no outlets for the Dead Sea. It just has water coming into it that never leaves. And that's why they call it the Dead Sea. If we tend to be like that as Christians, just to hoard and to take in and never give back, then we become like that. We become like literally dead inside. And you become a taker. I mean, obviously there's give and take in everything. Okay, well not in everything. Some people are just pure takers, I've noticed in life. And I don't mean any of my listeners, I'm just saying that you, I'm sure you've encountered people that are just pure takers. They're miserable! They're some of the most miserable people, miserable people on the planet. All they ever do is take, 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 take. They're miserable. They're like the Dead Sea. So, um, and then Proverbs 22, 9, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Bountiful, basically, a, a giver, is what they're in reference to here. And again, that doesn't necessarily have to be just monetarily things. I mean, it can be a lot of different ways. Um, and for he giveth of his bread to the poor. So, some some good biblical things to go over. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the study today. It's just that I had had these verses set aside for a while, and they kept getting uh, pushed back, and um, uh, wanted to kind of go over those today. I haven't had internet for like two days. The art internet provider is just horrifically bad. And um, so... Thank God I had gotten all of this material already um, set aside and into a Word document format prior to me losing the internet because I I, um, I wouldn't have been able to do the study had I not done that. But um, thank God for that. So first article, and where this is kind of kind of be the theme for the first part of this teaching, uh, UK expects Israeli attack on Iran next month, with U.S. logistical support. So this is from November 10th, just a few days ago. A senior foreign office official says British government ministers have been told to expect an Israeli military action in the wake of the U.N. watchdog report uh, as early as Christmas or very early in the new year. The London Daily Mail reported on Thursday, November 10th. The ministers were told that Israel would strike... Iran's nuclear sites, quote, sooner, excuse me, rather than later, uh, with logistical support from the U.S., meaning the U.S. is going to back Israel on this strike. Uh, and they're really, really ramping up for this. I Again, I know that there's been a lot of posturing for war, but there's some real specific reasons that they're that they're saying that this is going to happen, and we're going to get into those those reasons. Now, I understand war is contrived, and war in the Illuminati plans these things out, and I'm not saying this is apart from that. Also, I also believe it's working into God's divine plan, though, and that this World War III, which we're, really is what we're talking about here, um, yes, the Illuminati may have been orchestrating this for 100-plus years, but it's going to fit into God's plan for the end times. And out of the ashes of World War III, most likely is going to come the Antichrist and the false prophet. We're going to talk about that today. How this relates to that, even from a Muslim, from an Islamic standpoint, what they're expecting. Uh, 
it's very interesting how this all ties together. And again, it really confirms so many other studies that I've done regarding the subject. I mean, if this is the first time you're listening to, listening to this uh, broadcast, you know, I've covered this many, many times on different levels. It's just that now, the obviously, the information on a week-to-week basis becomes more current, more cutting edge, I guess, and uh, more pertinent to the day and times we're living in as we get closer. So, next article is, Why are Iran's top leaders, why do they believe that the end of days has come? Now, this is from Fox News. Okay, The first one was from just a secular source, Daily Mail or whatever. Here's This is from Fox News, and I'm actually doing, <laughs> it's not a Bible study, but it heavily relates to end time biblical events that are outlined in the Bible. Let's go further. Uh, why would Iran authorize a major terrorist operation on American soil? Iranian leaders may in fact have a motive to accelerate direct attacks on the U.S. because of Shia Islamic eschatology, meaning their version of end times theology. Now this is the Shia. They're Sunni uh, Islamic eschatology. There's Shia Islamic eschatology. Those are two of the big ones. There's different flavors of Islam, in other words. Okay, I had somebody correct me on that in times past, that this is actually the whole thing where they're, they're expecting this um, Imam Mahdi, which we're going to talk about here, is actually the Shia Islamic eschatology. So, anyway, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini and President Ahmadinejad are convinced that the end of days has come. Now, these are the two main guys demonically possessed leaders in Iran right now, okay? They believe the Shia Messiah, known as the 12th Imam, or the Mahdi, will soon appear to establish a global Islamic kingdom known as the Caliphate. This is what they're expecting. Now, I've reported on this in times past, but now even mainstream news like Fox, I mean, this is right near the top of this article. This is what they're expecting, What's more, they believe the way to hasten the coming of the 12th Imam is to annihilate Israel, which they call Little Satan, and, the United, and then also annihilate the United States, which they call the Great Satan. Why don't they call Big Satan? Little Satan and Big Satan. Come on. Just, you know, come on, get your... I don't know, it just seems to be more... Anyway, sorry, this car, kidding there. Um, this is what they believe has to happen in order for this Imam Mahdi, this 12th Imam, to make his appearance. This is their awaited Savior. Okay, like Christians await Jesus Christ to come back. This is who they're waiting for to come back as their awaited Savior. The Buddhists are awaiting the fifth Buddha. The Hindus are awaiting Krishna. The Jews are awaiting the Messiah. Unfortunately, they missed him the first time around. (laughs) Okay, I'm not coming down to the Jews, I'm just saying, you know, they they missed him the first time around. I mean, anyway. um, As far as I know, as far as I know, there's only one person on the planet. Now, there may be other lesser-known players, but there's only one person I know that the United Nations is sponsoring that claims to be all, all of these things rolled up into one package. Why, by all of those things, mean, you know, the Messiah to the Jews, the, the, uh, the Savior to the Christians, the, you know, all, all of these things, the, the, 
the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, Krishna to the Hindus, and the Imam Mahdi to Israel. And that's the person that goes by Maitreya. He calls, likes to call himself Lord Maitreya. I call him Devil Maitreya. And I've done many, many studies on him. Just key in Maitreya in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done so many. There's just no way I can get into that or cover that. I just wanted to touch on that. Now, I'm not saying he... You know, he's definitely the Antichrist, and I've, I'm, that's it, and don't even argue with me about it or whatever. I'm not saying that. I think he's going to play a part in the end-time delusion and deception. Um, maybe he'll end up being the false prophet. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that the, um, what we get into today here, it could play out exactly as I have predicted in times past, and it would totally line up well, with the Islamic version of it. Now, remember, this is a deception, okay? And when the Antichrist and the false prophet come, they're going to they're going to deceive the whole planet, primarily through lying signs and wonders and miracles. That's what the Bible says. So, this is going to be when this ha- when this starts to go down. This isn't just going to be about World War Three. This is going to be about supernatural stuff going on. Big time signs and wonders. I mean, the highest level of witchcraft you've ever seen. And most people are going to just fall for a hook, line, and sinker because they're, you know, they're seeking a sign. And that's why Jesus Christ said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. It's not how you want, you want to base everything off the, off the solid foundation of the Word of God, the King James Bible in the English speaking language. That's, your anvil of truth. That's what you compare everything to. You know, and so that's what you want to go go from. Okay, so let's go further here. Khomeini told the Iranians in July of 2010 that he personally met with the 12th Imam. He also claimed to be the personal representative of the Mahdi, or the 12th Imam, on planet Earth. And said all Muslims must obey him. So when this 12th Imam comes, I got a feeling what's going to end up happening. He's going to come with all lying signs and wonders, right? Sure. Okay. Now, whether he's the Antichrist or not, you know, I, I guarantee he's still going to come with all lying signs and wonders. I really got a feeling those Sunnis are going to get on board. In fact, I believe it's going to unite all of Islam. And it may even unite some other religions that are maybe splinters of Islam. You got a guy that's going to come with all lying signs and wonders. I mean, ultimately, what are we going to lead to here? We're going to lead to the one world religion under Antichrist and false prophet. Whereby the whole world is going to be deceived through lying signs and wonders and miracles. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that this 12th Imam, this Imam Mahdi, who he says he's personally met with already, is going to unite all of Islam. Ultimately, what we're going to have here is like, okay, let's say when the fifth Buddha and Krishna and all these, and whether that's Maitreya, I don't know. He says he's everything. He's everything rolled up into one package. He's like the total package, like Lex Luger was in wrestling, pro wrestling. So, Anyway, um, yeah, he is that thing, and who better to unite all the main religions of the world than a person or, or an entity claiming to be all things to all religions. I think that would be a really good way to have a one world religion. A lot of people would just, at that point, particularly if you have all the line signs and wonders, particularly if this comes at the heel of great of this great cataclysmic World War III, 
And let's say, you know, let's say you've got all these horrific events going on at the same time to inflict maximum terror in the populace. Let's say there's a a worldwide pandemic. Throw that in there. False flag nuclear events. Earthquakes. Tsunamis. uh, All of these things that the Bible predicts. I mean, in Matthew 24, a lot of the, the natural earth changes. Wars and rumors of wars. Men's hearts failing them for fear of what's coming on this earth. I mean, when you have somebody that's in that state of mind, they're very susceptible to suggestion. <laughs> I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're not going to be that hard to convince. If they're desperate, if they're sick, if they're hungry, if they're scared, if they're thirsty, they're going to be really susceptible to suggestion. And, you know... I, I think that's the way it's going to go down. Whether it's Maitreya is the one that does it, whether it's these ascended masters, whether it's in conjunction with, you know. they're the, they, These are the ones that say they control all the UFOs. Thousands and thousands and thousands of sightings per year, only increasing. And you're telling me that's not going to figure into the end time scenario at all? All of the work that Hollywood has done and the, the sci-fi... Um, uh, books and channels and things like this have done to convince us of the reality of extraterrestrial life. And I'm not saying they are what they say they are. They're, they're, you know, I've got into that in, in times past. It's just a great deception. It's a, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, what was going on in Noah's day? Well, the main thing was what these fallen angels, called the sons of God, saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives off that they chose, and they bore to them giants, the Nephilim. So, that is the modern day equivalent of this UFO deception. Hybridization of humanity. How that exactly plays out in the end times, I can't say 100% for sure, but I've got into this in a lot of the studies I've done, just keying UFOs or Nephilim or whatever in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and that'll get you up to speed there. So when this Mahdi makes his appearance, Khomeini, Ayatollah Khomeini said that you, all Muslims, must obey him. And he didn't just say the Shia Muslims. He said all Muslims must obey him. And I don't think it's going to be real tough for that, for them to all get on board. Much of the media has focused on Iran's threats to wipe Israel off the map. But journalists have generally ignored the fact that the Iranian regime is equally determined to destroy the United States as well. And they are. I mean... There's no, there's no secret in that. The Quran says that you know the Jews need to be destroyed first. They're your main enemy, okay? And, and many, many of the the Islamic leaders have said this over and over again. That our goal is to drive Israel into the sea. Every man, woman, child, spare no one. The only solution for Islam is total annihilation of the Jews. And they view United States as, you know, the great Satan. So they would want to annihilate us as well, those that would not convert. And and again, the Bible says to destroy, behead, annihilate those who are infidels. What's an infidel? A non-believer in Islam. So either you convert or you die, if you even get that chance. That's the true religion of Islam. 
Now they're finally starting to fess up to this. Even in mainstream news, they're, they're coming out with what the Quran really says. I hear these watered-down talk shows sometimes if I'm driving, like with Hannity and stuff, and they never get to the, you know, they never get to the truth about really what's Islam all about. It's about total extinction of who they deem Israel, or infidels. Israel, too, but any non-believer in Islam. And I don't think Jews would even have that chance to convert. <laughs> I think just because they're Jews, they're, they're, you know, forget it. So they're equally determined to destroy the United States, Iran, or, or Islam in general. Now, with us going over there and us using things like depleted uranium in the rounds and causing massive amounts of birth defects in like Iraq and wherever that depleted uranium is used, depleted uranium they tip the ballistics with over there. And all these wars that we fought over there, it's still there. It has like a half-life of like a million years or something. And they've, they've, they've wreaked a lot of havoc on the population over there. A lot of misery. I don't think that's endearing them anymore to who they deem the great Satan anyway. So... There's a lot of war crime stuff that's went on, okay? And, again, I've touched on that in times past. Now, if you don't believe me about the depleted uranium, just go up to the internet and can beyond treason, like in YouTube or Google videos or whatever, and uh, you'll find it beyond treason. You'll probably be able to watch it online. And it's all documented, and it's all the you know doctors that were over there, troops that were over there, and then how they were you know, vaccinating the troops and just really destroying our own army as well as the other people. I mean, it wasn't just like, you know, they weren't hurting our own troops just as much, if not worse. So going further, in, on October 26, 2005, for example, Ahmadinejad said, quote, God willing, with the force of God behind it, we shall soon experience a world without the United States and Zionism. So the people that downplay the Islamic thing. I mean, there is a happy medium. And I do understand they've used 9-11 to just totally strip us of, of our rights and to the Patriot Act and Project Bile Shield, Patriot Act 1 and 2. And it just was an excuse. And 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, it has been so proven by so many different outlets. It's not even... I mean, yes, you could debate it. Go key and loose change 9-11 on the internet. I've never had anybody come back to me and refute that. I mean, there's there so many. There's like, I don't know, it's like 2,000 or 1,000 architects that said absolutely that building number 7, which was the uh, one that fell by itself, nothing had even hit the building. They imploded it. It was a controlled demolition. They also say that buildings 1 and 2 were controlled demolitions. If you've ever seen a controlled demolition... That's what happened on 9-11. And people could hear the bombs going off in the buildings sequentially, floor by floor by floor, as the buildings were falling. That's how you do a controlled demolition. Jet fuel could have not done that. Jet fuel couldn't even have, have melted those steel girders, not to, not to mention all the girders all the way down to the first floor. Loose change, 9-11. Just watch that. That'll, I should be enough to convince you. Architects... Um, for 9-11 or something, or, or, or regarding that. I mean, but this is just stuff that never gets any press. It's totally ignored 
by the mainstream media because they're all controlled by these devils that own, you know, the newspapers and the media and all these other things. We're, we're just spoon-fed what they want us to know. So going further, on June 2nd, 2008, Ahmadinejad also said, Today the time for the fall of the satanic power of the United States has come, and the countdown to the annihilation of the em- emperor of power and wealth has started. Now they're chomping at the bit for this. They're gearing up, and they have been gearing up for years. We have allowed them to come into this country unchecked and unabated, essentially. Other than the few that the other than the few terrorists they may nab coming over the border, which is rare, and they found many though. You know, they come in there and they've got you know these are terrorists. A lot of them had already been either expelled from the country and they came back in or whatever. No, because the border's just totally open down there. And there's very little policing of the border. Not only are the illegal aliens continue to come in, but also these terrorists, and they form these terrorist cells, and they are waiting. They are waiting for the green light from whether it's Ahmadinejad, whether it's Ayatollah Khomeini, whether it's whoever. You know, whatever particular... Now, it doesn't mean I don't think that we haven't had a whole lot to do with that. And again, look at um, Loose Change 9-11. You know, Bin Laden was a CIA asset. We created him, essentially. Bin Laden's family vacationed with the Bush family. They were good buddies. Bin Laden was treated at a U.S. medical hospital right before 9-11. It's proven. It's It was documented. Even in the news, they admitted to it. And again, I don't even want to get into that. But it, it just, again, if you do a little bit of research, it's the evidence is beyond overwhelming. So, let's go further here. Iranian leaders actually believe that the destruction of the U.S. is foreordained just as the Soviet Union's implosion was predetermined. They see the U.S. economic weakness as a sign that the end of America is near. Again, they're really chomping at the bit. It's like when you see, if you were in a fight or something, and and you see your opponent, you know, starting to tire, and starting to, you know, act like he's going to, well, they're wanting to go in for the knockout punch. That's what they would desire. There's no doubt about that. And with all the sins that America has laid up, you know, I don't know, was it like 60 million abortions in America since Roe versus Wade? The, the utter disgustingness of this gay sodomite movement just taking over. We're going to talk about that today if I can get to it. All of these things transpiring, just the wickedness that, that a lot of our country has perpetuated, um, you know, through the Illuminati, essentially, through its policies, foreign policies, internal policies in the United States. I mean, there's just so many things you could get into. Uh, God's judgment has to be pretty close. There's just no way we can't be judged in America. So, a lot of what they're perceiving is actually based in truth, as far as America weakening. Obviously, the economy, you can see what's happened to that, and 
you know, they've outsourced all the jobs, or not all the jobs, but a ton of the jobs in America. They've done everything they can do to just um, weaken America and to try to destroy the middle class and to create a ultra-rich and an ultra-poverty poor. That's what they want to have because the ultra-poverty poor is very easy to control. So going back to the article, other signs include President Obama's political weakness in the polls and his unwillingness to use force against Iran, even after the Iranian murder of Americans in Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and Lebanon over the years. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu sees the gravity of the situation. Uh, he says, quote, the Obama presidency has two great missions. Fixing the economy, that's never going to happen because he was sent in there to destroy what was remaining of the economy. I mean, his Illuminati handlers, that's one of his goals and missions were. So, he's not going to fix anything. He's just going to make it worse. And then the second thing was of his two great missions is preventing Iran from gaining nuclear weapons. Uh, he told this to the Atlantic magazine in 2009. Then he said, quote, you don't want, to, you don't want a messianic, apocalyptic cult controlling atomic bombs, meaning Iran. Um, unfortunately, Netanyahu hasn't seen the Obama administration strengthen the American economy or take any decisive measures to stop Iran from getting the bomb, and he's getting anxious. Um, I think this is another quote from him. The international community must stop Iran before it's too late. Netanyahu warned the United Nations last month, in his speech last month. And then he goes on to say, if Iran is not stopped, we'll all face the specter of nuclear terrorism. And the Arab Spring could soon become an Iranian winter. The world around Israel is definitely becoming more dangerous. Well, absolutely. I mean, again, I've reported on this a lot, but they're really, really ramping up. They're, the, I, the Islamic world is just so chomping at the bit to annihilate Israel. And, you know, Israel's done over and over again, giving them land, giving them land, and all they do is move the rockets in closer. That's how they get rewarded. Because it's mandated in Islamic writings, that the Jews must be annihilated. And they want total possession of Jerusalem because their third most holy site is there. Just basically, you know, on the Temple Mount. The Dome of the Rock. It's the third most holy... They want to be able to control that totally. And they can't stand the thought of their third most holy site being in control, uh, being controlled by um, Israel. The, the Jews in Israel. They just can't stand that. So there's a, there's another that's another reason they want to they want to uh, annihilate Israel. So to truly understand just how dangerous Iraq Iran's regime really is, American leaders need to better understand Shia eschatology. The twelfth Imam was a real flesh and blood person who, like the eleven Shia leaders who went before him, was an Arab male, a direct descendant of the founder of Islam and was thought to have been divinely chosen to be the spiritual guide and ultimate human authority of the Muslim people. His actual name was Muhammad Liban Hassan Liban Ali. I wish I had a really long, crazy name like that. I think I would command more, more respect. I really do. Just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding. Anyway, and it's genuinely believed by the Shias that he was born in Samara, not Samaria, but Samara, Iraq, in A.D. 1868. At a very young age, however, Ali vanished from society. Some say he was four years old, while others say he, he was five or six. Some believe he fell into a well in Samara, but his body was never recovered. 
Others believe the Mahdi's mother placed him in the well to prevent evil rulers from capturing him and killing him. That'd be kind of tough to live in a well, though. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever tried that? You just have to really tread water a long time. Anyway, um, and that little Ali subsequently became supernaturally invisible. Now, see, that happened to me last week. I, I, they, I got put in a well, and after a while, you tread water long enough, I just became supernaturally invisible. Craziest thing you ever saw. I mean, you can imagine my chagrin. Anyway, um, this is where the term hidden imam is derived. Can you believe that? This is where we get the term hidden imam, which they, they use in terms of the 12th imam. He was hidden because they hit him in a well and he became supernaturally invisible. Sounds plausible to me. Um, anyway, as she has believed that Ali is not dead, but has simply been hidden from the sight of mankind. She has referred to this as occultation. Like the occult. Yeah, that's what they refer to it as. I guess it's kind of apropos. Uh, until the end of days when Allah will reveal him then once again. So he's just been down there for, I don't know, what is it? Hmm, almost 1,200 years treading water invisibly. And uh, this guy's got some endurance. I mean, I mean, you're, we're talking some serious endurance here. You know, I've heard about those birds that can fly like five or six years at a time, but this guy's got them all beat. Anyway, um, sorry about that, a little humor. Uh, she has believed the Mahdi will return in the last days to establish righteousness. Oh, yeah, right. Like, that's going to happen. How can something so evil produce righteousness? I mean, the religion of Islam, the most hypocritical religion probably on the planet. They call themselves this religion of peace. And it's the exact polar opposite of everything they say that they are. I've got into the whole thing how they can have these um, temporary marriages and that gives them the excuse to go in and, you know, take a, a two or three year old little girl and rape her all night. Some, some disgusting old perverted man like... Um, the uh, Ayatollah or whatever, I told you that one story about that, and and he raped that little girl. I mean, and, and here the father is in the next room giving, you know, and they heard her cries the whole night, and he's raping her the whole night, and then he had a temporary marriage. Oh, you know, well, we'll divorce the next morning. I mean, that's the kind of disgusting, depraved, evil garbage that goes on in Islam. And yet they, they like to fancy themselves having this veneer of we're so much, you're infidels, you're unclean, we're, oh my word. I mean, I just have a really hard time with that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, they believe the Mahdi will return in the last days to establish righteousness, justice, and peace. Can't forget about peace. When he comes, they say, the Mahdi will bring Jesus with him. Did you know that? Yeah. Jesus will be a Muslim, though, and he will serve as his deputy, not as king of kings and lord of lords, as the Bible teaches. This is from Fox. I'm really surprised they would even acknowledge that, but anyway. And he will force non-Muslims to choose between following the Mahdi or death. Now, that, that sounds like the Jesus of the Bible, right? I mean, come on. I mean, that's the polar opposite of Jesus Christ in the Bible. He wasn't a Muslim. He never had anything to do with Islam. Islam is a, the, the, a cult to the moon god, Allah. A death cult, essentially. 
And they have the audacity to say that, that the Mani, the, the 12th Imam, when he comes back, he's going to bring Jesus. But Jesus is going to be a Muslim. He's not going to be the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's going to force non-Muslims to choose between following the Mahdi or death. Jesus is going to do this. So you know, for a fact, that whatever Jesus comes back with him is going to be a false, counterfeit Jesus from the pit of hell. Now, I've got into this before. What do, um, what they teach, what Maitreya teaches, what his false prophet has taught, Benjamin Krem, is that this Jesus is going to be the one that also unites all the, particularly all the Christian religions. And he is going to be the one, most likely, the false prophet, that will be the religious leader who will assume the, um, I think it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be the next pope, potentially, but it's going to be a, a, a position far greater than just Pope. It's going to be essentially the religious leader on planet Earth that brings all the religions together. This is what Maitreya, Benjamin Krem have taught, that when this Jesus comes back, who they refer to as Master Jesus, or Sananda Emmanuel, okay, who is the same, who looks exactly like all these pictures of Jesus that we see, uh, in the churches, you know where those came from? The Catholic Church. Michelangelo. The Catholic Church gave us this false picture of Jesus. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after Jesus had died. Nobody knew what he looked like. The Bible says that there was no beauty in him that we would desire him. When Jesus walked the earth, he wasn't this Adonis that was walking around like a hippie with long hair. The Bible says, doesn't in the New Testament, it says, doesn't nature therefore itself teacheth us that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? But if a woman hath long hair, it is her glory? That's what it says in the New Testament. Sorry if that, you know, upsets some people, but it does say that. So all these long-haired, Adonis-looking pictures of Jesus, that's the same Jesus that's going to show up with the Mahdi. That's the same Jesus that's most, most likely going to take the reins over of the Catholic Church, which, from an infrastructure standpoint, is the most set-up church on planet Earth to have a one-world religion come under her mantle. I mean, what other church on the planet has more money backing it, or more power, or more corruption? I don't know of any. That's the way I see it going down. Something along those lines. And I'm basing this off a lot of research that I have documented in times past. Maybe it's not going to go down exactly that way, but I think it's going to be close. By most accounts, Shia scholars believe the Mahdi will first appear in Mecca and conquer the Middle East, then establish the headquarters of his global Islamic government, or caliphate, in Iraq. <clears throat> But there is not universal agreement. Some believe he will emerge from the well at Jamakaran Mosque in Iran and then travel to Mecca. Now, he's been treading water for those hundreds of years. I guess he's got to come out of that well sometime. Um, and then others say that he will conquer Jerusalem before establishing his caliphate in Iraq. Others believe Jerusalem will be conquered as a prerequisite to his return. Well, in other words, there's a lot of different beliefs about how he's actually going to come back, which also gives them a lot of leeway, you know, regarding his return. Nothing's carved in stone. 
none of this is actually written in the Quran, and the Sunnis reject this eschatology. But one thing that is fair, but I guarantee you they'd get on board real quick if he did come back. I bet you they would. <laughs> That's not going to be any stretch. So, one thing is fairly well agreed upon among the devout Twelvers, meaning those expecting the Twelfth Imam, is that the Mahdi will end apostasy and purify corruption within Islam. He is expected to conquer the Arabian Peninsula, Jordan, Syria, Palestine, Egypt, and North Africa, and eventually the entire world. During this time, he and Jesus will kill between 60 and 80% of the world's population. I mean, a little side note there. You know, him and Jesus are going to kill, you know, their false Sanan Emmanuel Master Jesus is going to kill uh, 60 to 80% of the population worldwide. Uh, you know, specifically those who refuse to convert to Islam. Now, do I believe any of that? No, I do not believe that's going to happen. I believe a lot of this is garbage and what they're expecting, the way they're expecting it's going to turn out. Okay, up to a certain point, yeah, the Mahdi coming back with this false Sanand Emmanuel, Master Jesus, yeah, I can see that happening. What happens after that, I think is going to be greatly different than what they're actually expecting. Ayatollah Amini, a professor at the Religious Learning Center in Qom, wrote describing the connection between Shia eschatology and Iranian foreign policy, quote, the only victorious government in the entire world will be that of Islam, and the people will, be, will devotedly endeavor to protect it. Islam will be the religion of everyone, and will enter all nations of the world. The Mahdi will offer the religion of Islam to the Jews and the Christians. If they accept it, they will be spared, otherwise they will be killed. I mean, this is flat out what... They believe, and they're willing to die for this. You know, so they can be with their 70 different virgins and, and uh, versions and uh, their uh, little boys with white skin. That's another part of that paradise thing. Oh, that's nice. Little pedophilic, you know, angle there. Well, that's what they believe. It's disgusting. So, they're willing to die for this. I mean, they're, they're brainwashed from a very early age. There's got to be all kind of generational curses and demonic baggage that, you know, just operate through this death cult, doesn't mean I want them to go to hell. I pray to God they all get saved, but I know that's not going to be the case for the vast majority, because broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many of there be that go there at straight, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. So it seems unlikely that the, this catastrophe can be avoided. Warfare and blood, bloodshed are inevitable. Um, now, this is part of this quote that I was reading. Uh, Warfare and bloodshed are inevitable. The imam of the age and his supporters will overcome the forces of disbelief and the godless materialism by undertaking jihad. That word jihad means holy war. So they're going to they're gonna finally purify planet Earth um, through jihad, through uh, warfare and bloodshed. And, and this is what they want. This is what they're expecting. This is what they believe has to happen to usher in the 12th Imam. So if they go to war with Israel and there's all this carnage and killing, that's not going to discourage them in the least bit because they believe that has to happen for the 12th Imam to come in. And then if the 12th Imam supposedly shows up with this false Jesus, to them, that's only going to confirm that they were right. 
In the in light of such end times theology, we shouldn't be surprised that the Iranian regime is taking a more aggressive posture towards the U.S. and Israel. Instead, we should be taking decisive measures to prevent Iran from blindsiding us in the not-too-distant future with a nuclear terrorist attack or even an EMP attack, electromagnetic pulse, which just fries all electronics. Uh, Unfortunately, most of Washington and the world's leadership is asleep to the prospect of this gathering storm. It's time to wake up before it's too late. And again, that was from Fox News. Next article, uh, Syrian... In Iran, Iran threatened Israel over Iranian strike. 30,000 suicide bombers will rush Israel if Israel attacks. 30,000. Some 30,000 Syrian and Palestinian men, this is from Ynet News, a, a reputable source of news here, 30,000 Syrian and Palestinian men have spent the past three months training to infiltrate Israel in order to carry out suicide missions. That's pretty, that's pretty serious. 30,000 people willing to die. No problem. We'll die. Suicide missions. That's how fanatical. This is the type of people that we're dealing with here. The Iranian FARS news agency reported this on Friday. Now this is from Iran. This isn't like some Conspiracy theory. This is what they're totally openly admitting to. The agency, which is associated with the Revolutionary Guards, reported that the men have sent a petition to the Syrian government. These 30,000 men willing to die. They sent a petition to the Syrian government expressing their willingness to help it through, quote, any crisis which may arise with Israel. They have asked the Syrian government for authorization to infiltrate occupied Palestine, the occupied Palestine land, and carry out suicide missions against Israeli soldiers, the report stated. This is what they're admitting to. There's so much I don't even report on all the evils of Islam. I just can't. I can't cover it all. I've, I've done tons. I mean, you want to see other stuff I've said about Israel, or, or not Israel, but Islam. Shekin Islam, Shekin Muslim in the search box at contendingfortruth.com and, you know, you'll, you'll see it real quick there. Uh, war, here's the next article. War of the war, war of words escalate between Iran and Israel. Iran threatens to widen war to Europe if attacked. The head of the Iranian pal- parliament's National Security and Foreign Policy Commission said on Tuesday that Iran would start a street war in Tel Aviv if its nuclear program was attacked. Israel is not big enough to launch a military strike on Iran, but if it takes such a foolish decision, I mean, that's ridiculous, but um, if it takes such a foolish decision, the Iranian military will fight with the Zionist soldiers in the Tel Aviv streets and will force them out of the Palestinian soil. He also warned, should Tehran's nuclear program be attacked, the battlefield won't be in Iran, but the entirety of Europe and the U.S., and Iranian forces will fight with the enemies with maximum might and power all throughout the European and U.S. soil if Iran comes under attack. Now, we're really potentially close to this. I just read you the thing where it said there's a very, very high likelihood that Israel is going to attack Iran by Christmas or at latest at the, by the start of the new year. It could happen anytime between now and then. If God lets it happen. I mean, obviously... Well, when that happens, I'm giving everybody, not me, but they are giving you a gigantic heads up 
that they are going to activate all these terrorist cells that have been in America for a long time. Again, I told you about the borders. I told you they're, you know, they're, they've infiltrated into Europe. They've got people probably um, throughout Palestine. I mean, obviously, they've been chomping at the bit to, to kill all the Jews anyway. All of those terrorist cells are going to be activated, I believe, simultaneously. I remember the first time I heard about this, it was a, a guy that was an expert in bio-warfare and bio-weapons. And this is when I was, I was talking about colloidal silver. He had determined that colloidal silver um, was the only thing that was actually proven to um, counteract a lot of these biological agents uh, in his studies. And I forget the guy's name, but he was a real famous guy. And he was flat out saying it would be so easy for them, you know, to actually create these bioweapons, anthrax or whatever, and then go out on the road and just like have a, I forget what the name of that was. It was, it was this thing where you could basically um, just, you could be out on the highway and just basically uh, spraying this powder out if you set it up right, a Venturi, that was a, a Venturi, and they could actually take their, the bioweapons and actually put them out right into the air, right on the highway. They don't have to have a plane or anything. And they could be doing this simultaneously when all these terrorist cells are activated. Now, I really believe it's all by design. And I really believe that when that happens, the, obviously martial law is going to go into effect. And if you think it's been Big, been brother, big brother lately, everything's going to be on lockdown. You won't be able to go anywhere at that point. So, this may be a really good time to think about if you're going to gear up and if you've got a um, uh, location that you're thinking about going to, uh, you may want to really seriously think about that at this point. I'm not saying, you know, do anything hasty. I'm saying really be watch this event because I'm telling you, this is most likely going to be the linchpin for not only World War III, but for martial law. Because they flat out stated, Iran's flat out stated, they're going to they're gonna, uh, simultaneously activate these people that have been here for a long time, that have been gearing up, that are probably, have probably wanted so bad to go out and just kill as many infidels and Americans as they possibly could. The rage these people have is unbelievable. The hate that they're they're indoctrinated with from basically the crib. I've seen documentaries where they show babies in the crib and they're playing and and they're just they're like saying things to the babies and, and like even in the womb and stuff and they're and they're they're instilling all this hate for the Jews and the Americans and I mean it's just so sick. The cartoons that they've got depict little um, Islamic kids like stoning Jews and, and killing uh, Jews, and they've got like romper room scenarios where they have these little kids, you know, walk around in these little nursery rhyme settings, and, and they're talking about dying for Allah and killing the infidels, and I mean, I cannot, it's so horrifying, the brainwashing they go, they undergo, that when you're brainwashed at that early of an age, and that's all you ever know, and you literally view your enemy as great Satan, and, and, and you literally know that you know if you die, you believe this. When you die, you're going to go, you know, you die as a martyr and killing as many infidels as possible. That you're going to, you know, 
live in paradise with Allah forever. I'm telling you, their mindset is unlike anything you could even comprehend. I really see this being the linchpin right here. I think it's going to go down, and it could literally go down, like, very shortly. So, this is something that we all need to be in prayer about. This is why, I really haven't planned on covering this, but when I saw this information this week, I said, I've got to mention this. I mean, again, I never know from a week-to-week basis if this is going to be my last broadcast. I really don't. This is something, if this goes down, I guarantee you the internet will go down. You're not going to, you know... <laughs> um, I'll see you in heaven, essentially. I'm probably not ever going to talk to, to um, you guys again, or uh, my, my listeners. I shouldn't say you guys, but I mean everyone. And so, this might be, you know, one of the last warnings I can issue. Now, am I 100% positive? No. But can I in good conscience say nothing? When the handwriting is so on the wall, when this is so confirmatory regarding every other teaching I've ever done on this subject... I haven't had to go back and recant anything regarding this type of thing. I never have ever came to my listeners and said, this is definitely going to happen and become this date setter. I'm telling you, though, what they're saying and what I know will happen. And again, our government's wanted this. They've wanted martial law. I've seen a lot of stuff in the last week about... uh, our government gearing up for some event that we're right on the cusp of, and that event will be martial law. Now, if you can imagine if this happened in conjunction with some cataclysmic event, like a New Madrid fault line going, we've talked a lot about that, uh, who knows? Or a pandemic, or if they release these biologicals, or a false flag nuclear event, that with the, what are these dirty suitcase nuke bombs that, that have they know that they have in their possession. And again, the American government, even though they were part of this and orchestrated this and let all this happen, they're going to come out, they're going to look like, they're going to try to be Superman and come out like the saviors and say, okay, we've got everything figured out. You know, you just need to come to us for this and that and, and, and come to us for all your needs. And then you end up in some stinking FEMA death camp, which they've got 800 of them in America. And if you're on one of the red or blue lists, you know, red lists, I believe, is scheduled for immediate termination, which would really be the preferable way to go, because you don't want to go into one of those camps. I I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but I'm just telling you flat out, that's what could happen here. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm not saying God can't avert it. I'm not saying that if Christians start praying about it. But there's going to come a time when, from a biblical standpoint, this stuff is going to have to happen. There's going to have to be some cataclysmic upheaval in order to get us into um, not only World War III, but actually literally into the tribulation, which we're not even in yet. And a lot of people talk like, yeah, that's a fulfillment of like Revelation whatever, 7 or what. I'm thinking, what? I mean, we're not even in the tribulation yet. And they act as though, well, yeah, we're in it all. I mean, but all of this stuff that had to happen before that event happened, none of that's happened yet. What about that? Well, it doesn't matter. I ignore that. Well, then just throw your Bible out. It's a chronological event list that has to go down. 
It just, you just can't jump to like Revelation 10 or something like that and say, yeah, we're here now. Oh, okay, yeah, to the exclusion of the rest of all the other things that had to happen prior to that. Okay, that makes a lot of biblical sense to me. So, anyway, um, let me just see how much further. Let me try to get through this. Because I, I want to kind of get this on one part. Russian foreign minister issues grave warning to Israel and the West. <clears throat> Israel and the West rhetoric has been, to put it lightly, heated when it comes to Iran. And it's only intensified in recent weeks. Russian foreign minister Sergei Lavrov issued a grim warning to Israel, the United States, and the United Kingdom. Which have been reportedly weighing a strike on Iran. Lavrov said that taking military action against Iran would be a very serious mistake, fraught with unpredictable consequences. Uh, This comes directly after Israeli President Shimon Peres made some grim statements on the Iranian situation itself. The possibility of a military attack against Iran is now closer to being applied than the application of of the diplomatic option. In other words, they're weighing this in Israel, and now the, the scales have tipped to a military attack on Iran much more so than an actual um, uh, diplomatic option. Okay, so, and then it goes on to say, echoing the constant denials of any military application to their nuclear program, Iranian foreign minister said the evidence against them has been contrived and is part of a large-scale smear campaign against Iran. Oh, boy. I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's always poor... The poor Muslims, poor Islam, they're just, they're they're so, I mean, it says in the Quran you can lie to the infidel as long as it advances the agenda of Allah. They make that very clear. So I don't believe anything they're saying. And then the the last thing here is, this was just one of the stories that, you know, Muslims who kidnap a Jew will get $900,000. Another Saudi prince put a bounty on the head of Israeli soldiers that shows a picture of this devil sitting here. And, um... Saudi Prince Bin Talon uh, declared Saturday he would give $900,000 to whoever abducts an Israeli soldier in order to be exchanged for Palestinian prisoners. In an interview with Saudi TV, Bin Talon stressed that his offer was in response to a similar offer made by a Saudi cleric who earlier this week said he would give $100,000 to anyone who would kidnap an Israeli soldier. So I guess he didn't want to be outdone. You know, so now he's gonna he's gonna offer uh, nine hundred thousand. And again, the, the way they've got these prisoner swaps, you know, and this is so typical of Islam. Okay, we get one Israeli soldier. Israel gets one Israeli soldier, and we give you a thousand terrorists. And I'm thinking, is this not the height of insanity? Why would you want to exchange one life for a thousand people that will probably take? A hundred thousand lives because they're they're you know now they're really mad. Now they're really ready to die for Allah. I think that is the absolute height of insanity. But one thing was mentioned there, and this is how I'll end this part, was that a reason these prisoner swaps might be happening right now, and I thought they made a good point, is because they're wanting to what it what Israel's wanting is not to have any of their prisoners because they know once they start what they're gonna start. Any Israeli prisoners would probably be either killed or tortured or whatever in, in order to retaliate for Israel's attack. So I guess they're willing to do this this unbelievably 
you know, thousand to one prisoner swaps, which I, I think is insanity, but anyway, let's go ahead and end part one there, and we'll go to part two next. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.